Hey girl, you're listening to the For The Girl podcast, the podcast designed for you. Join Mac and Ken's as they cover all the hard topics for real life girls trying to love Jesus. Get ready for encouragement, truth, and let's be real, a little bit of a hot mess. Is it just me or are Mac and Ken's your new best friends? Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of For the Girl. This is honestly the intros and introducing the podcast is one of my favorite things. I feel like a talk show host. (laughs) (laughs) I've been actually podcasting some with Josh, preparing for some fun dating stuff we have ahead. And he makes so much fun of me for how I change my voice over the podcast, which I don't think is true. But here we are, and I feel like I did just shift. Uh, me and Mac were just talking before this, and I was like the most monotone ever. So <laughs> anyways, today's episode is for the girl who has convinced herself that the next best thing will make her happy. And we're really excited to talk about this conversation. It's something that Mac and I, as we observe the culture around us. We feel like this conversation is just super relevant. And also it's been something that we've had to fight in our own life of like, ah, like we kind of want like bigger and better sometimes, but where does God really have us? Where is Mm. he leading us? What is best for him and for his glory and through our lives? And so we're just excited to dive in, to get to wrestle with some hard questions today and dive into scripture. It's going to be Really fun. Yes. I was going to say, I can't wait for that episode, but what's really exciting is that if you're listening to this podcast episode on the day it's released, which is, I don't know, Tuesday, August 8th or something like that, or even if you're listening to it afterwards, that means that our new study is finally here. I don't know if you've seen it on our email list or on Instagram, or maybe it's the first time you're hearing about it, but we have a brand new study. I'm holding it in my hands right now. It's beautiful and cute and girly, and it is called The Dating Devo, and it is a scripture-based study to help you navigate singleness, dating, and relationships. This is Mm. the study that Kenz and I have been working on behind the scenes for the last several months, and I am seriously so excited about it. Kenz and I, I think we've shared before that like it it hasn't always been our favorite thing to talk about dating and relationships. Like We feel like that's the thing that honestly you guys maybe ask us the most about, and the thing that like we always find ourselves dragging our feet a little bit on how to answer it, or mm-hmm. you know, we're just like, oh, we want women to fall in love with Jesus and not just fall in love with the idea of a love story. But I don't know, a few months ago, I feel like God kind of really got a hold of both Ken's and I and gave us this energy and excitement to finally tackle the subject in a way that feels like us and that feels authentic to who we are and what we experienced in dating and relationships. And I'm really proud of the outcome. Uh, This study that I think is just going to be such an awesome tool if you find yourself single and in a waiting season, if you find yourself, you know, maybe newly dating someone, if you find yourself in a serious relationship, no matter where you find yourself on this like dating and relationships journey, I think that this is going to be an amazing tool for you to dig into scripture, to really reflect with Jesus and to hopefully date in a way that really honors and glorifies God and allows you to kind of walk in the midst of the truth of who you are and who he made you to be. 
Yes, we're so excited about it. If you didn't know this already, this is kind of a fun fact about Mac and I. We both got married a bit later in our 20s, which it feels like sometimes, especially in kind of Christian culture, that feels like a little bit later. And those were like long, hard, exciting, all the above seasons for both of us. And they looked very different for both of us where maybe I like dated some a lot. (laughs) I was going to say some. Serial dater over there. Yeah. (laughs) Then we, but you know, my experience involved like the breakups and questions and confusions with boys. How do I know if he's the one I'm supposed to marry? And how do I find somebody? How do I not just get wrapped up in wanting attention, but actually wait for somebody amazing? Like that's, I learned so much through all of that. And the next story, you know, she, was super single a lot of her 20s. Yeah. Um, And she learned what it looked like to like really wait patiently Mm -hmm. and to keep her standards high and to expect God to move even when it didn't feel like anything was happening. And yeah, I feel like we really do have so much to share and you will hear it all in the study. I mean, we got real and vulnerable and not only shared our experience, but also got to integrate the word of God as well. I think you guys probably know by now, but the Bible doesn't include a chapter about how to how to date and how to do the thing. And we wish it probably did, but it's, it's hard to find and hard to navigate. But we really do believe that there are a lot of building blocks in our character as women following Jesus that we can learn from the scriptures yeah. of like, yeah. how does scripture speak into our identity as women? How does it speak into this temptation to compare our story to other people's? How does it speak into, you know, our past and unpacking our past and the the impact our past has on our current relationship and Mm. so on and so forth. So I think what you'll learn in the study, you're going to get a lot of scripture that's going to teach you so much of how to be like a woman chasing after God's heart and hopefully will lead you to somebody amazing. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, I, when I was single, uh, I feel like I read all the books. Like, I feel like I was just hungry to know, okay, well, what is God speaking into my singleness? Where can I trust him with my story and all of these things? I was so hungry to like have guidance and direction in it. And every time I would read them, and I, there's amazing resources out there, no doubt about it. But sometimes I would just <laughs> be like, I'd be hearing it from you know, married men who had, hadn't been single in 30 years. And I was like, how did they know what this is like? How can they relate? And yeah. a lot of their advice, I just kind of wanted to roll my eyes at and be like, yeah, okay, well, that is great for you. But I don't really feel like that applies to me much. And what we really try to do with this study is essentially encourage you back to the feet of Jesus to say like, hey, all of these things that you're experiencing, all of these things that you're going through, that you're questioning, that you're having doubts about, that you're feeling impatient in, like, would you take them to Jesus? And would you process them with him? And would you let him speak into those? Uh, And we shared, you know, some of our stories and our experiences and even some of like our advice and encouragement. But my hope and my prayer is ultimately from this study, it is a tool that allows you to go to his feet and to process it all with him. Because sometimes I think we think Jesus doesn't care about our dating life or the fact that like we've never had a boyfriend or never been kissed or the fact that like we've had our heart broken into a million pieces. Sometimes we think he only wants to talk to us about super spiritual stuff, but he also wants to talk to you 
about the deep hidden desires of your heart and and he's in those with you and he is the best person to process through those things with. And so hopefully this just acts as a tool to get you in his word and starting to hear his voice for you and then getting to a place where you are just like spilling your guts to him when it comes to your dating life and your singleness or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's like, it's workbook style. So it's really digging in. It's really processing hard things. And, uh, it all goes back to our dating quiz. Uh, Ken's, you got to tell them about our dating quiz if they haven't taken the quiz yet. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, the little uh, link will be in the show notes because you have to take it. It's basically, if you know kind of about the Enneagram, it's kind of like the Enneagram, but for your dating personality. And basically it just shares how you date and your tendencies and what you might be like. And yeah, so there's different things like maybe you're the cautious or you're the committed or you're the flirt and you know based off of just our desires since we've been even really young this forms how we date now in our 20s and what's even crazy is the way we date or maybe are in relationship with people around us is kind of it parallels with how our, our relationship with Jesus as well and so it also gets deep and real, real fast. So yeah, you got to take the so quiz. True. It's in the show notes. You'll learn so much about yourself. I bet you you'll be incredibly enlightened. You're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is me. Uh. Yeah. And the quiz is free. You can take it, like Ken said, and then it kind of gives you a glimpse into your dating type. But then if you get the study, you get the full profile with like all of the things, all of the mm-hmm. details. And you can even read some of the other dating types that maybe were like secondary for you. And and I think it just really helps you understand how to approach dating and relationships. And then we weave that in throughout the entire book. So there's kind of like six main things we talk about. And we even talk about how your specific dating personality relates to kind of the six big topics of the book. So I think we should share those six big topics too, don't you think, Kent? Yes. You have the book in front of you. Yes. I have the book in front of me. So these are the six chapters or the six weeks that you'll go through in the Dating Devo study. So the first one is know who you are. It's all about identity, how knowing who you are before you meet someone matters so much and helps you to build such a solid foundation in in dating and relationships. The second is unpack your baggage, which is all about kind of dealing with your past and or maybe even your lack of a past and how that might be affecting your current approach to dating and relationships. The third is all about waiting well. How do we not just wait on empty, but how do we wait in a way that is just excited and expect it in a full life with Christ as we're kind of waiting on these things that our hearts really desire? The fourth is stop living her story. It's about not letting comparison kind of sit in the driver's seat of a relationship. I think so often for me, comparison or feeling like I was behind everybody else led me to some decisions that I knew weren't right for me. And we don't want that. Like we want to live from this place of contentment when it comes to dating and relationships and not feeling like we're behind everybody else or like we need to have what somebody else has. The fifth is to start looking for evidence. So how do you actually like get your hopes up with God and how do you start seeing how he's moving, even when you feel like maybe there's just a ton of disappointment in your relationship or a ton of disappointment in your singleness, how can you begin to tune your heart to see how he might actually be moving in some really cool and incredible ways? And then the last one is learn to date great, 
which talks about, okay, maybe you're in a relationship and what are some ways to really set your relationship up for success, set your relationship up for the long term and to make your relationship so centered upon Jesus. And Mm -hmm. that was a really fun chapter that uh, Ken's kind of led on. And you answered the question, Mm -hmm. how do you know if he's the one? He's the one. No, that is like the most popular question I feel like we get ever all the time. When we like do little Instagram like questionnaires or whatever, everybody's like, oh my gosh, help me figure out if he's the one. And I get it. That's such a real question. We don't want to waste time dating somebody who we're not going to marry. And then obviously we don't want to marry somebody who it's not going to work out with in the long run. So it's a heavy one. It's a big one. I was like, Lord, help us navigate this. And (laughs) although I maybe like took the lead on that chapter, trust me, Mac and I had lots of pals about it and prayer and all the things that I think you're going to find it really helpful. And I think we, I think we answered the question. So let's go. um, You gotta, you gotta learn for yourself. You've got to get the study. You guys, I think you will absolutely love it. And I believe that it really will change your dating life and your perspective on your singleness. And so, so, so much more. If I did this study in my twenties, I definitely wouldn't have wasted so much time dating silly boys. And I also would have had so much more confidence in my season of singleness. And so if that's you, get the study because I think you will find it super life-giving. Yeah. And someone asked me the question, like, who is this for? She said, you know, I'm close to getting engaged. Like, would this study still be helpful for me? And I told her, yes, absolutely. I think this study, if it, it doesn't matter if you're single, if you're in a new relationship, or if you're in like a long-term serious relationship, maybe you are like about to get engaged or even recently engaged. The concepts in this book are concepts that I continually learn about even in marriage. And they're things that literally I think are so, so important for us to understand whether we're single, whether we're dating, whether we're married. They're just really important things. So I think it's, if you are single, dating, engaged, I'd say it's for you. If you're married, I just think it maybe won't relate to you as much, but single, dating, (laughs) engaged, it is for you. And married women, we have some fun things coming for you in the future. And also, we start our dating series, podcast series, to go along with this next week. So next week, for six weeks, we're going to be doing uh, six podcast episodes on kind of centered around the dating Devo. So be sure to tune in next week for more dating content. Oh my gosh, I'm excited for that. I have a feeling we're going to go rogue. We're going to just be sharing all the juicy stuff and it's going to be good. Like in the book, we could like filter through, you know, reread and we're like, ooh, that was cringy. But, you know, once you say it on the podcast, it's just out in the world. So it's going to be pretty fun. We're excited to be in this with you guys. Oh, we might also, this is a promise, but we might also bring back um, some of that. What did we do when we helped Mac and Ken's help you, help you uh, in make a move? Thing? Make a move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So we'll see make if we can move. pull that off. It's going to be good. Okay. Anyways, well, we're super excited. We got to jump into this episode because we have so much to talk about. And yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so today's conversation is for the girl who has convinced herself that the next best thing will make her happy. And oh my goodness, this has been me in so many seasons of life where Mm -hmm. I just was so convinced that, you know, 
the moment that I got that job, like I'd finally find joy and contentment or the moment that I finally got that boyfriend, I'd finally feel joy or contentment or the moment I finally got that really cool, amazing, awesome opportunity, like then I would feel like I was enough or I had done enough or I'd achieved enough. And I think the truth is when you find yourself in these seasons of constantly wanting more, you finally get the thing and what do you know? You just find yourself wanting more. And so today's episode is just kind of, you know, for the girl that finds herself just constantly wanting more from her life. And in some ways that can be a beautiful and a good thing, but maybe you just find yourself wanting bigger opportunities, bigger dreams, bigger, better, more, truly believing that like your true joy, contentment, and happiness is just around the corner. And it leaves you almost discontent with your current current season of life. And I think this is going to be a really fun episode because what I want to do with this episode is really wrestle with this question that Jesus actually gives us in scripture. It's a question that Jesus asks. It comes from Matthew 16, 26, and it's a question straight from the mouth of Jesus. He says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And I pulled a couple more translations for you guys, just because sometimes I like reading some specific verses and other translations just to kind of help me really wrap my mind around it. So this is from the Passion Translation. It says, for even if you were to gain all the wealth and power of this world at the cost of your own life, what good would that be? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? And then from the message, it says, what kind of deal is it to get everything you want, but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? And so we're going to wrestle with that question. How does this kind of insatiable desire for what's next or for what's more almost distract us in our relationship with Jesus and keep us from knowing our true self in him? And so, yeah, Kent, I don't know how, like, has this been relevant for you in your own life or... Maybe like, do you see this in the people around you? What does this look like? Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm glad. I can't believe we've taken this long to talk about it, honestly, because, (laughs) and we probably have mentioned it in other like kind of ways and all of that, but I feel like this is going to be really hitting the nail on the head, I guess you would say. But yeah, I think in, honestly, even just our sphere of influence and Christian culture right now, you know. It's been an interesting journey. I, when we first started Delight and got into ministry, and we were just so excited, you know, we were excited for what God was going to do. We were like, oh my gosh, we want to see Delight go on all these college campuses and see these big things happen and these big moves of God. And it was really fun to get the credit for that and to like be seen and not have anything going on in our lives. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is like what turned into like what started as maybe this desire to just like meet a need and see communities form on college campuses, Christ-centered communities form on college campuses. Like it was about that, but a lot of times I think that I also loved the platform or the influence or the credit that I got from doing something cool with my life and especially in the ministry circle just like getting to be seen for all these things and yeah and then that only grew I think like as the years continued and delight grew and 
we started to probably get more opportunities in ministry, that that temptation to like want more and to get the next best thing or the next best opportunity, the next best publishing deal, the next mm. best stage or the next best whatever seemed glamorous became really, yeah. really real. And I think this is when I'm like most grateful actually for like our relationship between <laughs> the two of us because I don't know if any of you guys listening has a friend. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your sister. I don't know who keeps you humble in life, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm just so grateful. There are just so many moments where we checked on our checked mm. on each other and had to be like, I mean, there's one point that I was like convinced, you know, Mac is a really gifted speaker and teacher. And I was convinced she like wanted to become like a celeb pastor, which honestly (laughs) now sounds amazing. I want that for you. But in the midst of my insecurities, I was like, oh my gosh, Mac wants to be like a celeb pastor. She's trying hard after this thing. She totally wasn't at all, but I just was convinced of that. And then, you know, I talked to her about it and was like, hey, I feel like you're like wanting all these like things and that's not okay. But, you know, she would come back at me and be like, I feel like you want attention for this or whatever. And we always just kept each other so humble and maybe not always in the best ways but (laughs) yeah tearing each other down but god god he used it thank goodness (laughs) exactly exactly and yeah i'm just grateful even just the accountability that came through it like the hard conversations too like sometimes it was like calling each other out but then other times it was more like hey what really matters here like i think we got a little ahead of ourselves or why are we doing this like what's our heart behind this and as we just like grown up, as we surrounded ourselves with other important friendships and mentors and even our spouses, all these people just being like, okay, what really matters? What really matters? What are you doing at home in your community? Why do you want attention for this? And and I think we've always just like, I'm so grateful for those relationships. I'm so grateful with my relationship with Mac and so many other things and and that have kept us like humble and not not striving for the next best thing, but it's been such a journey. Oh my gosh, it's been such a journey. And I've seen it also, I think you first asked like how also I've seen it in other people's lives. Like, I mean, I see it all over the place as as we're just growing up and in our twenties, like I just see friends or other people in ministry that have influence. I see, I see that desire. And sometimes, you know, you see them cave a little. And then other times you see them take a step back and be like, okay, maybe I'm going to take a break. Maybe I'm going to give God all the glory. So yeah. 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 No, it's so true. I think as I've, I've looked back on my life, there have been seasons of my life where I was more enamored with like the things of God than God himself. And that is such a dangerous place to be in because it's it's a really close distinction and you can get away with looking super godly and super after the heart of God. But really, you're just kind of living off of the high of what God's doing in your life or this like next best thing that God might do in your life. And I, I think it's really dangerous and it's really, really easy to fall into. And that's why I think we wanted to talk about it is because for a lot of my life, like I fell into that lie. And and maybe for you, it's not, maybe you're not in ministry like Ken's and I are, but maybe for you, it's just like this lie or this belief that like, 
oh, well, when God does this in my life, I'll I'll be so happy and content in my relationship with him. And like, I'll feel so close to him then and I'll feel so much better about my life. And, and what I have just found to be true over and over and over again, it is that those moments actually end up when I finally get the thing I, I thought I wanted, like it doesn't satisfy and it doesn't fill this, this thing inside of me that can only be filled with the truth of who God is himself. And I just, I'm passionate about this because I think that there's a generation around me right now who, who wants the things of God, but are neglecting like the truth of who God is at the same time. And, and the beauty of the simplicity of just being with God and how God himself is enough. Like he doesn't need to elevate you to any platform. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to give you, be this genie that gives you everything you've ever wanted. Like God himself, who he is, the God we read about in scripture mm-hmm. is enough. And and when we learn that and when we trust that, that's when we, we gain who he's called us to be. And it's yeah. a beautiful journey. It's a hard journey, but yeah, I think it's just such a good thing. And so we're going to dive into that more over the next few minutes, but we started off with this question that Jesus asked in Matthew 16, 26. And I just want to read the couple of verses before it, starting in verse 24, because I think this is it. Like this is this is the answer to the question. And this is how we stop kind of living for the next best thing or the next best opportunity. So Matthew 16, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will, for me, will find it. And then I grabbed it from the message for you too, just for a help you to better understand it. It says, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. I love that. Jesus went to work on his disciples. He says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. And that's what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Self-sacrifice is the way to finding who you are, your true self, which is who God says you are. And so there's this Mm -hmm. kind of message of gain the world, get everything you've ever wanted, and you lose your soul, you lose yourself in the process or what Jesus calls us to, he says, hey, lose the world, lose everything you've ever wanted, and you'll actually gain your true self with me. And so uh, we just kind of have four ways. Like, how do we do this? We're going to pull it right from the scripture. How do we stop letting this, you know, insatiable desire for more or for what's next keep us from true life with Jesus? So mm-hmm. ready, Kens? Should we dive in? I am ready, and I'm also so impressed about this word insatiable that you pulled out of the dictionary <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> hey, that's a, a word in my vocab, you know? Is it? Like you talk, you regularly say Insatiable, it? yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it means, but... Do you want me to look up the meaning for you? I don't... Yeah. I, insatiable means impossible to satisfy, Oh, okay. So, so you said, Spot on. how do we stop letting this insatiable, insatiable desire for more keep us from Jesus? Okay, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. This is making sense. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Thank you for stopping me on my big word so we could define it. So, yeah, we need. To- <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so the first thing, how do we do this? Number one, we have to die to who we've been. So this is when that part where Jesus says, hey, deny yourself. Like you actually have to die to who you've been all along, to die to those desires of comfort or power or popularity or stuff, whatever it is for you that is like the more that you find yourself desiring, you have to die to it. You have to to willingly say, hey, that thing is not going to satisfy. Like, Jesus, you're actually all that I need. And so for some of us, if that's true, then we almost are are signing up to, to lose some things in our life, to like actually have some things almost taken out of our life. For you, it might be it might be friendships. It might be relationships that you can't imagine living without. It might be a dream that you've clung to for so long that you know you're terrified of who you'll be without it. It might be this innate desire in you to be seen or noticed or loved by the people around you. It might be a lifestyle that you've been living of all about you, of highs and um, having more stuff or, or building more wealth or or whatever it is. It might be letting go of secret sins that keep you trapped behind closed doors. Whatever it is, Jesus says like, hey, if you want to follow me, would you first deny yourself? Die to that thing. Die to who you've been so that you can step into the fullness of who I am in you. And this is, I mean, this is hard. The first thing we're telling yeah. you is to die to self, but I think it, it's so important. And yeah, Ken, so what's that look like for you? Oh my gosh, there's so many different things. Number one, I think like detaching your identity from anything cool in your life that, or like that you think makes you cool. I know, I know Mac, that was really real in a season for you. She like literally stepped away from delight and took some time off, like Mm. a quote unquote sabbatical to like, just be like, okay, who am I? And moved home with her parents. Who am I just without any of this, like without any delight, without any ministry stuff, without any platform, without without an opportunity to speak to anybody but my dog. (laughs) 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 Like detaching your identity from anything that like you think is cool. And really tangibly, you can do that in so many different ways. Like you can just like stop, stop, stop doing that thing. Or, you know, maybe that's like you stop posting on Instagram, or maybe it's you stop, take a break from pursuing that thing that you think makes you really cool just because you, you, this feels really real to you. And yeah, I mean, and then also just laughing at yourself, laughing through things. <laughs> I mean, so many different ways that I feel mm. like I've had to be like, okay, this is so not about me. And actually this is kind of hilarious that God chose to use me because I don't have my stuff together and I'm just going to give him the glory and being like showing that as much as you can, just being like, okay, not about me. I don't know what I'm saying. And like talking about that more often, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I, you know, you talked about that season of sabbatical when I I took three months away from delight and I really felt strongly that God was calling me to not use it as my crutch anymore. Like not use it as my thing to like get value or to feel feel seen or noticed by other people. So I challenged myself during that time that when people asked me, because I moved somewhere new, like, what do you do? Like, tell me about yourself. I couldn't tell them about Delight. I couldn't say, well, I have a job. I'm just on sabbatical. I, I literally would yeah. just tell people, yeah, I kind of took a step away from my from work and I'm just living with my parents. I would try to be as unimpressive as possible. <laughs> yeah. 
And it was so hard because I, I realized how used I was or how used I was to just kind of like listing out my accomplishments or listing out for people why I mattered or, or why I was cool. And mm-hmm. I found it to be really difficult, but I found it to create some really beautiful connections at the same time where I wasn't living off of who I wanted people to see who I was. I, I kind of really did start figuring out who I was without delight. And I think that one of the things that's really cool here is I call them these, you put it on the altar moments. You think about Abraham putting Isaac on the altar. When Abraham put Isaac on the altar, he did not know that God was going to say, hey, pick pick him back up. Like, you know, he thought I might be putting this thing that I love to death. And I think in our life, would we be willing to put these things that we love and get value from and are often good things in our life? Would we be willing to to trust God with them fully and know that on the flip side, he might say, hey, pick it back up, or he might say, put it to death. And just the exercise of trusting him to say one or the other, I think often breaks the chain of identity that it holds on you. And I found that to be so Mm. true for me. I stepped back into ministry after that season with so much more freedom and not doing it from a place of looking for identity but rather doing it from a place of like knowing my identity without it. And that allowed me to not do it for my glory, but to do it for his glory. And it was such a different thing. And I don't think I would have experienced that if I hadn't put it on the altar and said, God, if this isn't what you want for me, then I don't want it. And and it was Mm -hmm. scary, but I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for that season. So being able to die to who you've been is so scary, but – I think it does break those chains of identity and it allows us to to just know, know what God actually wants for us in those things and to stop using them for significance in our life. So that's the first one. The second one is to submit to suffering. This is when Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must first deny yourself. Then second, you must take up your cross. So think about Jesus taking up the cross. Like he signed up to go to the cross because that was the Father's will for his life, that he was going to have to say yes to suffering, to submit to suffering in order for God to produce something really beautiful from his life. And and do we do yeah. that? Do we actually say yes to hardships? Do we actually like say yes and believe in our heart of hearts that when we suffer, it is a gift and an honor because we get to share in the inheritance of suffering that Jesus was willing to choose for us. And mm-hmm. and I just yeah. found that in suffering, I actually experienced a new level of intimacy with Jesus that I wasn't able to experience in the same way when I was comfortable. And I know, yeah. Ken, this has been your story over the last year. And so what does this yeah. look like for you, submitting to suffering? Yeah, I think that there's just so much more behind the scenes that goes on, like what used to be maybe more of me pursuing the things that were in front of people. I've spent so much more time in a quieter place and behind the scenes with Jesus and just learning about, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but like just learning about who God is like as my, just my father and as my comforter Mm -hmm. and, and that hasn't looked like the flashy stuff, you know, it hasn't looked like 
the crazy, radical, supernatural, crazy things that people might see and acknowledge and hear about and all of that. And so, gosh, like, yeah, I think behind the scenes when we have more time, like literally just like more time of day behind the scenes with Jesus than we do in front of people, our heart just aligns deeper with his and his mission for our life. And this year has been really transformative because I mean, it's been a whole year and a half of more time behind the scenes than in front of people. And what started is maybe like, oh, this is frustrating or like, I don't love this or this is boring, turned into a new vision for even just my life and my ministry. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wait, actually, okay, this is actually a new way I'm going to like see my future. And yeah. And I'm going to do, I want to like do more of life behind the scenes now. And I didn't want that before. And I also think even just beyond um, suffering might feel like, I mean, in my life, that's felt pretty extreme because it's had to do with like sickness. And for you, maybe it does too. Maybe it has to do with like grief or loss in your life. That's really heavy and hard. But for other people, when we talk about submitting to suffering or just taking up your cross, that's just like the, it's kind of like the dirty work, you know, it's the mm-hmm. groundwork, it's the the volunteering, the things that nobody else wants to do and doing that more in your yeah. life. I think that's been true for Mac and I and probably something that's really always kept us. I mean, don't get us wrong. There's been times where we've wanted the spotlight way more than we should have, but for the most part, like kept us humble because we're like, Hey, we'll be the ones to take out the trash or we will push, I don't know. I remember those early days of delight, like setting, pushing couches and making rooms and settings and hanging up the lights and doing the dirty work, you know, sitting in the back of the van and (laughs) taking up the cross for the sake, for the sake of the gospel. Nobody saw it. Nobody noticed it except Mm -hmm. for maybe like the five people that were there. And even then we weren't like, oh my gosh, look at us. And so the more you can do that, the more I think you'll see the value of it and the more your heart will just align with God's heart. Yeah, I think that goes so perfectly into the third one, which is just to, to flee from gain, to like run away from the things of this world. And this is where Jesus says that question, gain the whole world and you've gained nothing. And so- we don't follow Jesus for gain. We don't follow him for prosperity, for rewards, for recognition, for applause. We follow Jesus for Jesus. He alone is our gain. And so I think that we end up finding more of Jesus when we say, actually, I don't want those things in my life. His praise is the only one that I'm after. I'm not after more for me. And I have just found in my life, like I find Jesus in those moments. I find Jesus in the moments when I'm in the trenches and covered in, you know, metaphorical mud because he's Mm -hmm. there in those moments. Jesus isn't often for me, like some of the most stressful moments in my life are the ones where like I'm on a platform and I feel alone and I feel isolated because I feel like I'm trying to prove something. For me, it's the moments when I'm in the mud and I'm in the junk and the gunk of trying to serve him with everything I had that he feels so close and so intimate with me. And so I think it's just super important to ask yourself, are you using Jesus in your life to just get more, like to get more stuff, to get more recognition, to get more applause? Or are you surrendering your life for Jesus so that he can be known more? Because there is a huge 
difference. And Jesus, he is not your genie that promises comfort and cushion. If anything, he promises suffering. And he promises that through that suffering, you will actually experience more joy in life to the fullest because you get more intimacy with him and and you get to, to understand, you get to share that inheritance of suffering that like he went to the cross for us with. And I just mm-hmm. think that it's it's so cool that we think it's the opposite. Our world is under the impression that the more flashy the things that are in our life, the more joy we'll find. But in the mm. upside down kingdom that Jesus calls us into, he's like, hey, the more that you lose in your life, the more that you suffer, the more that you don't get the things that everybody else is getting, there's actually more richness of life to be experienced with me. And in those moments, you find out who you really are and you find out who I've called you to be. And I just think that that is just so beautiful and so cool. And so that brings us to our last one that is just, uh, we follow Jesus wherever he wants to go. Jesus says, you know, back up in our scripture, he says, whoever wants to be my disciples, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And so where were the places that Jesus went? Like when he was hanging out here on earth, He didn't hang out with the cool crowd. He didn't hang out with the best dress hipster people. He didn't hang out with the religious crowd, actually, which is crazy. He hung out with the outcasts, the misfits, the fringe type of people, the people that the world said, hey, those people are really hard to love and we're actually going to build walls in society for them to stay away from us. Those were the people that Jesus was after. Those were the places that Jesus went. He went to the most uncomfortable places, the places that got him no notoriety, but actually got people questioning him and people saying, why would he hang out with those people? And I think for me, this is just one of the most tangible representations of the fullness of Jesus in my life is like, I have found myself in this season of life, I crave less of the cool and flashy stuff. And and it's honestly why in this season of life, like you're going to find me in the hallways of a local high school trying to love on high school kids that are like outcasts and misfits way more than you're going to find me trying to climb the ladder of ministry. And, and, you know, there's a season in my life where I wanted to go to the places where the cool people were. I wanted those invitations, the accolades, the opportunities, the invites to that next cool event. But, you know, I just found that that stuff leaves me wanting more and more and, and wondering like, hey, what's next for me? Like, God, what do you have next? Like, what's the next best opportunity? But when I spend my time where Jesus was, when I spend my time, you know, in the hallways of a high school, it leads me to high school mm-hmm. students who are broken and desperate and need Jesus. And I get to be the one to introduce them to Jesus. And then that only leads me to going, okay, Jesus, who is next? Who can I make my life about that's not about me? And I just think that's the evidence. Is your life about yourself or is your life about the people that Jesus has called you to love? And and mm-hmm. it's a hard thing because again, it can be so closely related, but I just think, are we going to the places that Jesus went? If we want to not be obsessed with the next season, go to the places where Jesus would be. Go to the places, mm-hmm. love on those people, make your life about those people, lay down your life for those people. And mm-hmm. it's so good. It's so fruitful. I just, you know, went to camp for a week with high school students and it was one of the hardest weeks of my life because mm-hmm. it's not easy. It's so difficult, but it was the most rewarding and fruitful week that I've had in such a long time. I wouldn't trade that week for anything. And 
I think that's why I'm so passionate about it right here, right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's so real, especially, especially while we're, we're young and we're still like learning and growing and pursuing these things of God. Like I'm just picturing all the For the Girl podcast listeners that are probably in their 20, somewhere in their 20s. And this is like just the best thing we can decide to do is to be like, okay, we're going to take up the cross. We're going to follow you. We're going to ask ourselves over and over and over again, why why do I want this? Why did I say yes to this? Why did I say no to this? And just totally and completely and humbly always aligning ourselves with the heart of God. And you're going to do that for the rest of your life. But I love the idea of starting there and who knows what God might do through you. I mean, like, it's so crazy cool. He might, he might build a really awesome platform through your life. He might introduce you to the coolest mentor ever. He might do something really radical that is seen by God. And that is incredible. And it's going to be even more incredible if you spend these years just getting close to Jesus, just behind the scenes, just serving him, just really getting to know the heart of God. And and who knows what that will bring you to. It might just bring you to, you know, the hallways of the high school doing radical ministry there and seeing so many lives change or might lead you to some other awesome opportunities. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see how God moves in your life through this. I always think of Francis Chan, you know, he's forever my my uh, my hero in this category. And I think it's important for you guys to, to like surround yourself, whether it's a friend or somebody you're following on Instagram to see how other people and notice how other people are often laying down their cross because it will inspire you to do the same. And oh my gosh, Francis Chan is always like going, going like, he just goes MIA. He's just going moving to Asia. And you're like, why is he doing this? And I'm like, oh, probably because he's following Jesus to these really humbling, really like, he's just denying himself over and over and over and again. And There's so many people that do this so well. Yeah. And so whatever that thing is for you that like you've convinced yourself, if I could just get that thing or if I could just, you know, get to that next season of life, I'll finally find joy and contentment. We just ask you like, what does it look like right here, right now in this season where God has you to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow Jesus, to go where he would go and It's not just so that you can suffer and be humbled. (laughs) It's so that you can experience more with him, experience true life, life to the full with him, where he tells you who you are, not the accolades of this world, not the things of this world, not all that you can gain from this world, but who he says that you are. And it's so fruitful. It's so full of life. And we just want to welcome you into that and invite you in, like pull you in, say, don't live for this world, live for what he has for you. Please, please, please come live this way because it's so much better and it's so rich and so full of life and we love it. And we're, we are experiencing that in our life right here and right now. And so that's why we're so excited to just invite you into that as well. So hopefully this episode encouraged you, challenged you, convicted you, all the things. We could probably say so much more. We're like, give us a little soapbox and we'll go up. (laughs) But next week we're back with 
dating, dating <laughs> oh, yeah. and relationships. Taking a hard pivot or taking a hard pivot. A hard pivot, a hard pivot, but it's going to be awesome. And I'm really excited about the conversations that we're about to have. So make sure you tune in, make sure you grab the dating Devo for the girl.com. It's in the show notes. Take the quiz and die to self. That's all we got for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to you guys later.